0: You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. It's a privilege to preach before I open the word of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we we believe that you are the author of this book. We ask that you'd speak to us now. We do we want to calm our hearts. We thank you that we are in this military campaign. We're not reading comics, we're reading a manual. I pray that as we open the manual today, that you'd speak into every heart. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got a Bible, I would love it if you could turn to Luke, Luke and chapter 24. We are going to multitask this morning because I'd like everyone to stand as I read to you. So could you all please stand? And I'm going to read to you Luke 24. I'll explain why you're standing in just a moment. Luke 24 and verse 13 to 32. On the road to Emmaus, it's called. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, "'What are you discussing together as you walk along?' They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem "'who does not know the things that have happened "'there in these days?' What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You may be seated. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is victorious. He has conquered. He has done what nobody else in history has been able to do. And now he's walking along the road, and he meets two disciples. I, I guess I often put myself into Scripture, and I try and imagine what would it have been like if that had been me. I would have been tempted to have shouted, hello, <laughs> I'm Jesus. I might have been tempted just to have pulled up my sleeve and said, do you see the scar? Do you you want to see the side and where the spear went? I might have shown them the scars of what happened. I guess I might have shared the experience through my own eyes, the agony of the cross, the amazement of the stone rolling away as I then escape. But what does Jesus do? Jesus takes them to the scriptures. Jesus takes them to the word of God, to the Bible. He held the word of God in such high regard that having risen from the dead and having met his disciples, what's the thing he wants them to do? He wants them to get a hold of this. In some respects, this shouldn't surprise us. I read from the Gospel of Luke. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Earlier on in Luke, there had been a story told by Jesus. There was a very poor man called Lazarus who was covered in in lots of sores, and he sat and he begged. And there was a rich man that went past him and did nothing to help him. When the rich man died... He was cast into torment. And across the chasm, he could see God. And he said, oh, just give me a drop of water. And In fact, if you can't help me, help my family. I've got brothers on earth. They need to know about this. In Luke 16 and verse 27... It says this, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, This is the story that Jesus was telling. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. You see, throughout the book of Luke, the importance has been, what about the word of God? What about the word of God? This is how they refer to it. And so I guess what I want us to look at this morning is just this one phrase. It is written. You see, throughout the book of Luke, this refers to the Bible, to the Word of God. And, and, and it's many, many times there. I'm going to skip through them fairly quickly. This morning you will find it will just be scriptures coming up on the passage here. It is written. Well, it all started when Jesus was a child, when he was in his parents' arms. In Luke, 20, in Luke 2, verse 23, when the time came for purification required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, as it is written. So Jesus grew up in his family where there was a sort of sense of, what does the word say? I also grew up in a family like that. I hope that you bring your kids up. In a family like that, I hope if you're a a mom or a dad here today, you think, how do I read the Word? How do I encourage my kids to engage in the Word? Then we get the introduction of John the Baptist. We know he was the cousin of Jesus. We also know that actually he was the forerunner of Jesus. It says in Luke 3, verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet... The voice of one calling in the desert. It's almost like, well, how do you understand the signs of the times? Well, it was written. It's there. It's clear. It's for us. Many of us will know in, in the beginning of Luke as well, that after John the Baptist has happened, Jesus gets led into the wilderness, and he's tempted. I mean, the Bible, it's amazing things it says. It says he didn't eat for 40 days, and it just says he was hungry. Suddenly, that Satan comes and tempts him. How does he reply? Well, we know, don't we, every time in Luke 4, he comes back to Satan and says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God. It is written. Jesus, throughout this, it was like, whoa, he was totally dependent upon the word of God. In fact, when he launched his public ministry, what did he do? We know he went to a synagogue. We know that he was given the scroll. We know that he opened the scroll. And he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is on me in Luke 4, because he's anointed me. Where? Because it has been written down. Jesus understood the importance of Scripture. You could keep flicking through, Luke, and I wish we had more time. In Luke 7, there's this discussion about John the Baptist with the disciples. And even when he's chatting, and they're thinking, I don't quite understand. How did that work? Why did that happen? Why was he in prison? What does Jesus say? Hey, look, if we want wisdom, he says, It is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you. How do you understand it? Look at the word. Jesus gets questioned on another occasion by a teacher of the law. He comes and he's trying to almost trap him. We love the story that came out of it. What's the story? It's the Good Samaritan. How did it all come out? Because Jesus said, It is written in the law. How do you read it? Jesus went back to the law again and again and again. Even in the week before the crucifixion, the week known as the Passion, if you know the story, he goes into the temple and actually they're selling all these things and he turns over the table and what does he say? It is written this should be a place of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. The last supper. He sat there. He just imagine, particularly in that culture, this sort of sense of a meal together with friends. He knows that tomorrow is the end. What does he say to them? It is written, Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. You see, this is what goes on through Luke the whole time. It is written, it is written, it is written. I want to give three brief reasons why I think we should be a people of the Word. How do we get excited about the Word of God? My first thing is this. It is God throughout. It is God throughout. What do we know from the Bible? We know that we serve a God who speaks. We know that he speaks and creation occurs. We know that history tells his story. We know that Jesus is the revelation of the word. We know in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. This is about God. Often I put quotes up on the screen just to try and help you go with it. But I'm only putting scriptures up today, so I can't quote this person, so I'll pretend it's my own wisdom. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear him audibly, read it out loud. You see, I think God so wants to speak through the Bible. It's it's all about him. All of this scripture... It's a revelation from the Father, and it points us to Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the story. I found that quite a shock. I don't know about you, whenever it's like David and Goliath, I always considered myself, what are the Goliath in my life? What are the stones that I'm going to sling? Actually, I think no, Jesus is the hero. He's the one who conquers the one who stands opposed to us. Where are I in the story? I'm cowering in the camp thinking, send somebody else. I'm the chicken that's hiding away. Because it's all about Jesus Christ. God is the hero. Jesus even said to the religious folk in John 5, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These very scriptures testify about me. All scripture points to Jesus. I believe that. Whatever the book, we've got to think, hang on, how does this reveal something of Jesus to me? And I believe that all scripture is anointed by the Holy Spirit. I believe that he anointed the people to write it, and he anoints us when we read it. That's why we pray. Before we open the Bible, it's great to say, please speak. It says in Hebrews, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why? Because we want to know it is written. It is God throughout. That's my first point. What's my second point about the Bible for you today? My second point is this. The Bible is enough. The Bible is enough. It says in Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner's take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Our danger is that we get so bombarded with information that we think it's the Bible and something else. I want to argue quite firmly, quite strongly to you, the Bible is enough. The Bible is enough. I'm not having a pop at anyone else. I'd just like to say the danger can be with Roman Catholics that you have the Bible and the Pope. The danger with conservative Christians is that you have the Bible and 1920s culture. The danger with Pentecostals is that you have the Bible and whatever the Holy Spirit says today. The danger with legalists is that you have the Bible and the rules that we've written. The danger with any denomination is that you have the Bible and the traditions of the past. The danger with liberal Christians is that you have the Bible and whatever the most recent scholar says. So what's your danger? And what's mine? Is my danger that I take the Bible, but only through my own assumptions and prejudice? I've got to come back and say, the Bible is enough. The Bible is enough. The Bible is enough. Okay, how do I understand it? Well, maybe I need to read various things in various ways. There's so many clues in here that are incredible. We've just done a series on the book of Mark. I really enjoyed it. called The Story. I was reading just this week. It says in Mark, when he fed the 5,000, he made them sit down on green grass. I thought, why was that detail in there? Well, we know that he relied upon Peter, and so maybe it was just a personal insight. But actually, I was thinking about it this week. If you go to Psalm 23, We can all quote that one, can't we? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie in green pastures. Oh, so actually that helps me understand the Mark passage. Why was it green grass? Because actually the shepherd that they were looking for is Jesus Christ. And the picture gets clearer. How do I understand that? Because the Bible is enough. And the danger is that I don't read the Bible enough. But actually the Bible is enough. My third thing that I'd like to say this morning, the Bible is powerful. I mean, the Word of God, if you read Genesis, it says God spoke and creation occurred, because that's how powerful the Word of God is. I sometimes think, I put myself in this bracket. I've got to make it relevant to this generation. but Actually, I think there is real power in here. And am I therefore saying I was out of date? No, no, the Bible is enough. There is power here. How often do you take in the word? Let's just think, most of us in this room would eat three meals a day. And most of us are over 10 years old. So if you had three meals a day, let's say that's 1,000 meals a year, that's 10,000 meals a by the time you're 10, well, you can do the maths of how old you are, of how many meals you've had. How many can you remember? But they all did you good on the way. There is power in the Word, and you don't always have to remember what you've read, but there's something of, oh, it's done me good along the way. It fed me for that season, for that day, for that week, for that month. There is power in the Bible power to change us. I'll tell you, one of the biggest challenges I find in the Bible, someone else said this, but I can't put their name up today because it's only Bible verses. It's not the bits that I don't understand that bother me, it's the bits that I do. Because there's a real power to the Bible, which means I've got to submit to it. And sometimes I think, "Mm, God, there are a few bits I don't understand, but some of them I do. And I think I don't really want to go like that. I mean, they talk even about money this morning, don't they? Well, the Bible is very clear on money. Do I understand that? Mm, Do I want to live like that? We talk about community. You know, it's not just filling in a form. It's actually, how do we get family? But the Bible is very clear on that. But I might think I just want to turn up on a Sunday golly, where do we go on the whole sex thing? The Bible's very clear. But I'm not sure I like that. There is power in the Bible. The measure of how biblical we are is not how much we know, but how much we live. How biblical are we? Are we letting the power fill us? I read this week of something I'd never heard of before. Some of you may well have done. It's called word inflation. With social media, we tweet and Instagram and we write words so much. You know, it's almost like... In fact, I read, is it this week that you get bombarded with the equivalent information of 174 newspapers every day just because of social media? Just the amount of... Words, One newspaper? No, 174 of them. And so we end up with these words that are flown around that is like word inflation. Whereas when we come to the Bible, we read this, 1 Peter 1, All people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Wow! This is the Bible. Now, I know that I've got to land quickly. I want to make this as applicable as I possibly can. This is such a privilege to me, the Bible. If you know anything about this church, I've always thought there's, there's Bibles at the back. We'd love to give Bibles away. If you're from another nation and you'd rather read it in your own tongue, challenge me with any nation you like and we will get you a Bible in that language. Because to me, that's the privilege of the Bible. Why wouldn't we want to give that away? Many of us have been doing something called the Community Bible Reading Journal. The whole whole purpose of it is this. I'll be honest, I've loved it. I've been doing it for two months. You get one chapter, and before you're allowed to read it, you have to write a prayer. Now, I've been charismatic for 20 years. I don't think I'd ever written a prayer before I started doing this journal. And I've got to sit down there and write a prayer of submission. My wife and I, were sat next to each other every morning, and, and... you know, you think I can't write the same one I wrote yesterday. <laughs> but what's your prayer? No, no, no. You know, I think, okay, God, how do I surrender to you today? It's been great for me. And then you get a passage. So when, and you literally, you just read, say, so we've been doing Psalm 118 yesterday. I read it through twice. And then you have to answer these four questions. How do I give thanks to God out of it? How do I confess my sin? How do I delight in the work of Jesus? How do I say, Holy Spirit, change me? And then you're in a group and you share what you've learned with other people. And so I'm on a WhatsApp group. I mean, I often feel condemned because I'm never the first one there in the morning, but I'm not the last, so grace extends. And I'm texting in and suddenly saying, oh, this is what I've learned today. Because we're not supposed to read the Bible on our own. We're part of a community. I have loved it. I know that Francois is going to come and tell me, tell us what he's been thinking about it. I asked a few other people in the church, go on, give us your tips on how you'd enjoyed this community Bible reading. Someone said this, I found the simple questions each day have really helped me to understand and get so much out of the passage. Someone else said this, Most of all, I enjoy being joined up with friends, focusing on the same scripture and sharing different perspectives. Someone else said to me, it's easy to access, it's low pressure and low guilt if you miss a day. It's great to hear the insights of others. Someone else said to me, I am blessed by how God is speaking to others as well as by what I hear him saying to me. Someone else said, I knew I should read the Bible, but I didn't know how to read it until I started the CBR journal. This is not a task anymore, it's a conversation with my heavenly Father who loves me. Now, you think I might have made all those up, so I thought I'd get Francois to tell us in person. Tell us, Francois, how you started the journal and what difference it's made to you. I think it's
1: been a... Hello. yeah. No, it's been a, a great journey. I was really um, enthusiastic yeah. initially when uh, uh, this guy, Ted Sin, who uh, introduced that whole concept of CBR to us, and uh, I, really, I really enjoyed the fact he described this thing as... Uh, God's grace is like a waterfall which is always present, always there and it's just, um, just a case for us to actually put ourselves under it in the morning just get watched by his grace and his mercy every morning and I really I really like this picture that really spoke to me now when Pete asked me yesterday to come you know, in the front and uh, describe what it is for me, I thought he chose me because I'm probably the least regular posting here uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the thought on the WhatsApp group but it's, uh, it's great because that's, it's all about you know um you know you, you you're allowed to miss a day or two or whatever, but uh it's great because you get reminded what people actually get mm-hmm. from the passage each day, so even if you don't read the passage, you can actually even just read the the thought of your uh, co um, cbr uh, people but um I like the simplicity of it it's just one chapter a day um, and um, also what they say is don't focus on what confuses you but focus on what you can what you get and sort of when I describe how you should read, I think it's just almost once Once you've read the passage once, just th- ask yourself what I, what have I gotten from it? Don't try to go over and over again because, I mean, you can if you want to, but uh, you're not, it's not a study. It's very much submitting yourself to the Word. And I really enjoy that. Like, you, know, you don't have to think or have to preach on it or whatever. It's just submitting to the Word and what do I get from the first read? So it's yeah, it's great, really.
0: Fantastic, thank you very much, Francois. It would be f- foolish of me to tell you all about these and not sell you one. So there are five pound at the desk. I mean, you cannot get them anywhere else in the world that cheap. Our church subsidises all of these so that you can do it. So I thoroughly recommend you. I didn't know Francois was the lowest tender, so now he's going to be selling them to you at the table, at the back. Okay, concluding. The problem arises if we think the Bible is there to give us information about God. You see, the Bible is not a bullet point and it's not a resume, it's a story. I have a mobile phone, but I don't tell you that I love my mobile phone. I love the fact that it allows me to speak to my wife at any point in the day I don't go around and say oh I love a dialysis machine I love the fact that my child could be on a dialysis machine and therefore it would keep them alive I appreciate the health that it brings I'm not here to worship the book but the one it connects me to Now I'm going to break my rule, and I am going to quote one person. I also read this book this week, Bible Matters by Tim Chester. And he says this. I read my Bible regularly because I have to. Not have to in the sense that someone might tell me off if I don't, or that God will get miffed with me. But I have to in the same way that I have to eat. Every day, This is how I live. Without God's word in my life, I get too readily preoccupied with myself, my fears, my insecurities, my reputation. Without God's word, I'm much more vulnerable to temptation. I need God's word to realign my heart day by day towards Jesus. I need that medicine for my soul, that battle speech, that love song.